0: Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Christmas. Our passage today is from Isaiah 61. Let us go to God first in prayer. Gracious God, you have revealed your word to us and your will for our salvation through Jesus Christ in him, in his life and death and resurrection. And as we seek to know him more today, Open our ears and our hearts that we might know you and your goodness and glorify you now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Epiphany is what we'll celebrate next week. It celebrates the star which marked the birth of Jesus, the King of the Jews, which the Magi followed. To find the king of the Jews. Jesus was to be a light to the nations, the king who would be a light to the nations. This was the task of Israel, but at the time of Jesus' birth, Israel was not really a light to anyone. They were in captivity, they were ruled by the Romans and uh, pretty, in a pretty sorry state. In our passage today, we see the restoration of God's people. We see that God's people will be restored once again in their righteousness so that they will glorify God, that they will be a light to the nations through the message of the Anointed One of Isaiah 61. Hear the word of God from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of God, Those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. This ends the reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. Amen. Isaiah prophesies throughout the book to 8th century Israel. And during the book of Isaiah, God calls Israel out for their sin, for their rebellion against God, and Isaiah prophesies of the exile of God's people. First, the northern kingdom by the Assyrians, then the southern kingdom by the Babylonians, and then the Babylonians succumb to the Persians, to the Greeks, to the Romans, and so on. And that's where God's people are when Jesus is born, in captivity still, in exile. In our passage today, Isaiah looks beyond the judgment of God to a time of comfort. He looks beyond to a time of comfort and joy and the restoration of the righteousness of God's people so that they can once again be a light to the nations so that through their lives, God would be glorified. This comes through the message of the Anointed One. This morning we meditated on the words of the hymn, What Child Is This? The hymn answers the question, What child is this? and says, This, this is Christ the King. Christ the King. Christ comes from the Greek word meaning the anointed one. The hymn proclaims that Jesus is the anointed one of God. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, he's going about the synagogues and he's teaching and he's preaching and he comes to Nazareth. And as he's in the synagogue in Nazareth, he says, he opens the scroll and he reads our passage today, Isaiah 61. And in the Greek, he says, This passage is fulfilled today in your hearing. Jesus is saying, I am the anointed one of God. I am the Christ, and this is me. Jesus is the one who will restore God's people through the message that he proclaims. This is a message of restoration for God's people. It's the good news of hope. And joy in the faithfulness of God. It was a comfort and a joy for 8th century Israel who looked to the coming destruction. And it's a comfort and joy to us today. Brothers and sisters, find comfort and joy in the restoration of God, which comes from the message of the Anointed One, Jesus Christ. Today, we'll look at our passage in two parts the speaker. And the audience, the speaker and the audience. Well, Isaiah 61 starts off with a lot of me's, right? The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. The first thing we see right off the bat is that the speaker of Isaiah 61 is the anointed one of God. This is the me of Isaiah 61, the anointed one of God. Let's think for a second about this word, anointed. What does it mean to be anointed? Well, first off, to be anointed, you have to be anointed with something, right? Anointed literally means to smear. Priests were anointed. Kings were anointed. The tabernacle was anointed with oil. They were all anointed with a special holy oil. The priest was anointed so that they could be made holy and set aside for the purpose of God, for God's purpose that they might go about worshiping God daily, that they might go about offering up prayers on behalf of God's people, that they might offer sacrifices on behalf of God's people. What about the king? The king was anointed so that he might rule over God's people under the word of God that he might hold his people accountable, that he might rule over them so that they would walk in the ways of God. The king was anointed for the purpose of God's people, that the kingdom of God would glorify God on earth. So the first thing that we can see in this word anointed is that the anointing of God is with a special oil, They're set aside for a special purpose on behalf of the people of God. A special purpose on behalf of the people of God. Well, the anointed one in Isaiah 61 is not anointed with oil, but with the very Spirit of God. Anointed with the Spirit of God for a special purpose, to restore God's people. That's a special purpose on behalf of God's people in the presence of God. So we can see the the anointed one has a special purpose. We know that Jesus says, this is me in Isaiah 61. But we can go back and we can even look and see how this is Jesus. If we go back to Luke chapter 3, Jesus is baptized. And what happens after Jesus' baptism? But the heavens open up. And the Spirit of God, like a dove, descends on Jesus. Jesus. And God says, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. There, right there at the side of the river, Jesus is anointed with the Spirit of God, set aside for the restoration of God's people. And then he goes about doing something that's very similar to everything that's outlined in our passage today. He goes through proclaiming the gospel. He goes through healing the sick and doing the work of the kingdom of God on behalf of God's people. Jesus is the anointed one, anointed with the spirit of God, going about the work of the kingdom to restore God's people so that they can glorify God. Jesus is the anointed one of Isaiah 61. And he's going about this purpose of restoring God's people. Well, let's look. He's proclaiming the good news to restore God's people. The first thing he does is bring good news to the poor. We express this notion in English to bring good news to the poor. But to bring good news in the Hebrew and the Greek is actually one word. We might say that the anointed one of the Lord is good-newsing the poor. He's going about good-newsing the poor. Right? That's not really great English, so we don't speak like that. But it helps to to clarify here. So, did Jesus go about good newsing the poor? Well, this is the same word that's used in Luke twenty. One day, as Jesus was preaching, the people and was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel. So the same word for good-newsing in Luke chapter 20 is translated as preaching the gospel, okay? In Isaiah 61, bring good news to the poor. In Luke 20, preaching the gospel. The anointed one is set aside to preach the gospel to the poor, to good news the poor. What's the next thing that he does? Well, he's proclaiming liberty to the captives, proclaiming liberty to the captives. Now, when someone makes a proclamation, we might think of a a herald of a king that would come and make a proclamation on behalf of the king. He's speaking in the authority of the king, and we don't have kings, and so maybe we don't really get what's going on. But this word, to proclaim, is not a word that's so foreign. Time and time again, throughout the New Testament, This word, used in the Greek to proclaim, is the word to preach. So what now is the purpose? How does the anointed one of God go about restoring God's people? It's through preaching the gospel. Look at that. The same thing that was to bring comfort and joy to 8th century Israel. It's the same thing that brings us comfort and joy now, preaching the gospel. And why is this necessary? Why is it necessary to preach the gospel? Because God's people are in need of restoration. Israel had turned away from God in their sin. And the preaching of the gospel brings about the restoration of righteousness. The whole purpose is seen in verse 3. Why is all this done? That they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. It's the unrighteousness that brings about the wrath of God. And if you're in the wrath of God, you're not in the favor of God. But through the preaching of the gospel, God's people are restored into the favor of God. That's what Isaiah means. In verse 2, he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. No longer will God's people be under the wrath of God, but they will enjoy the favor of God, the blessings of God, the bounty of God, the guidance of God, the kingship of God. This is the restoration of righteousness. This is the purpose of the proclamation of the good news. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It was a comfort to 8th century Israel, and it's a comfort to us now that through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are restored into the favor of the Lord. And now we can enjoy him. We can enjoy his glory and his majesty and his goodness, and we can glorify him on this earth. So the anointed one preaches the gospel to bring comfort and joy to his people through restoration into God's favor. That's the speaker, that's the anointed one, and that's his task. Speakers often speak to audiences, right? So let's look at the audience. Who is it that the speaker is talking to? Well, we see that he's talking to the poor. He's talking to the brokenhearted. He's talking to those who are captive and bound up to those who are mourning, who have ashes on their heads. This is the audience of the anointed one of Isaiah 61. So let's first look at the poor. This word here, poor, means those who, have, who do not have the means to take care of themselves. Those who do not have the means to survive on their own and must rely on someone with more means. They must rely on someone with more power than themselves. That's the poor. Those who cannot take care of themselves, no matter what they want to do, they cannot do it. What's the next? Broken hearted, right? He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted. The broken-hearted here in English is expressed in one word. And now we have something that's kind of the opposite of what we saw with good-newsing, right? We have in the Hebrew and the Greek two words, broken and a word for hearted, broken and hearted. This word broken carries the meaning of an outside force acting on something in order to break it. Okay, when the alabaster jar is broken to anoint Jesus, this is the word that's used. It's broken with the intent to break it. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus' disciples, they're out casting out demons, and they're healing people, and Jesus comes down, and a boy is brought to Jesus that the disciples can't heal. Luke 9 says, and behold, a spirit seizes him and suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him. This is that same word for broken and brokenhearted. This malevolent spirit is attempting to shatter, to break into pieces this young boy. An outside force acting on something with the intent to shatter it. Now, if any of you have experienced being brokenhearted, you don't need a lesson in linguistics to understand what it means. But it's helpful to understand that an outside force is acting on something else with the intent to break it. That's the audience of the anointed one, the brokenhearted. We also have the captives. Who are the captives? Well, Israel. Israel is the captives, right? The northern kingdom by the Assyrians, the southern kingdom by the Babylonians, and now all of the kingdom of Israel is under the rule of the Romans. Captives is someone who's captured during war. Captives is someone who lives in a country and their country is overcome by another kingdom, and now they're ruled by another king. So the land that was once theirs is no longer theirs, but ruled by an oppressor. These are captives. Someone who is taken captive by someone stronger than them. Captives. They're bound. We see that they are prisoners who are bound. Prisoners don't want to be bound, right? This is a passive word. To be bound means that somebody has bound you, right? Somebody with the intention of binding up the audience has bound them up right these are the ones who are bound this is the audience of the anointed one this describes God's people Israel turned away from God their only source of strength their only source of blessing and goodness and they rebelled from God and because of that they were overcome because they were poor Without God, they did not have the means to withstand the world, to withstand the other nations. Every time they turned to God, God was their strength. Every time they turned away from God, they came to a point where they had no strength. Israel was the poor. Israel was the brokenhearted because the nations that surrounded them were seeking to destroy them, seeking to shatter the kingdom of God. Israel we see as the captives because very clearly they're taken captive under the rule of a foreign nation. And Israel are those who mourn because they saw what the kingdom of God was when God was their rock and their strength and their God. They saw what the kingdom was under David and Solomon the glory of the temple, how the nations came to see the wisdom and the riches of God's people, and now they know what they are. They're poor, they're brokenhearted, and they're not what they once were when they were the people of God. And so they mourn. They mourn. This describes God's people, Israel, and it describes us today too we are the broken hearted we are the poor who do not have the strength to do anything on our own we are the poor who turn away from god and are overcome by the world taken captive by passions and desires of our own flesh tempted to walk in ways contrary to God's law and sin as we rebel. We are the brokenhearted who suffer sins against us as people do evil against us and cause pain in our lives. We are the brokenhearted who live in a fallen world where illness and catastrophe Take away our loved ones. We are the brokenhearted. Those whose own sin has caused pain and destruction in the lives of others, even the ones that we love. So why is this good news? Because that means that we are the audience of the Anointed One. That means that we are the one that the Anointed One is speaking to, the one that the Anointed One is proclaiming the good news to, that He's binding up and healing, that He's releasing from the captivity of this world. And so we can start to see that as this world brings us to our knees, to the end of our strength, We know that our strength is in the anointed one, in Jesus Christ. We know that he is our only strength, our only source of hope. Jesus is the only one to redeem us as his people. Our sin is our fault. Israel's sin was their fault. And that sin causes so many problems. But those problems bring us to our knees. And in the goodness of God, we come to realize that our hearts are broken. We come to realize that we are poor. We come to realize that we're imprisoned by this world. It doesn't do much to proclaim liberty to a prisoner who doesn't want to leave his prison. But because of this world and because of our heartbreak, we seek joy and hope and we find it in Jesus Christ. Our sin may cause a lot of problems, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. Praise God, by grace we have been healed in Jesus Christ. We have been healed by the preaching of the good news of the gospel. It's the comfort then, and it's a comfort now. We have been bound up, our hearts no longer broken in Christ. And we have been restored in the righteousness of Christ so that in his righteousness we can go out and live a life so that people might wonder, why is it that you have hope? Why is it that you have joy? It's because God is our God. Because we are no longer poor. Because God has made us rich. Because Jesus became poor that we might become rich in him. Blessed are the poor for they shall receive the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, that is everyone who has turned from their sin to Jesus Christ for forgiveness, who claim him as Lord and Savior of your life. You who realize you are poor and brokenhearted. See, the good news doesn't just stop at our Redemption. The good news continues on because we get to carry on this mission. We get to go on and build up the devastations of the former generations. The whole reason is that we might be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that God might be glorified, that we might go out and repair the ruin and devastation of many generations in the power of the Spirit proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ his death on the cross and his resurrection and eternal life through faith in him and that's why the message of Isaiah 61 is a comfort and a joy and it restores us to the Lord's favor and blessing through Christ our Lord the anointed one of Isaiah 61 All praise and glory be to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, may we always find joy in the salvation of our Savior, Jesus Christ. May we always know of your goodness, of your faithfulness, and your blessing even as we are brought to our knees through the pains of this world. Help us to trust in you that we might be bound up through faith in Jesus Christ and through the good news of our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us now rise and affirm the truths that we believe of Scripture. Christians, in whom do you believe? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and we believe in one holy, catholic, and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen.